Welcome to Meet Yourself, Learning Through Living with Lucy, a podcast about self-discovery and how to live in alignment with what you really want on your terms. Hi, Amanda. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, So Amanda is, um, I met Amanda through a business coaching group that we were all in. And actually, I had reached out to her um, because I saw she had like, Um, this YouTube video and a podcast, both of which I kind of wanted to do um, just like for personal, like for personal fulfillment's sake. And I saw she was having so much fun on it. (laughs) And I I reached out to basically just like ask like, hey, how, you know, what, what led you here and all of that. And then, um, and then I went and um, found like some of the work that you were doing, Amanda. And I was like, oh my God, this is like exactly what I've been looking for. Um, So I signed up for her coaching program and, um, uh, from from the, and we've been working together since then, and I'm like, okay, I need to have her on my podcast. <laughs> so, uh, th- welcome, Amanda. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me here. I always enjoy talking with you, so I'm excited to have another amazing conversation. Yes, awesome. Yeah. Um. So, uh, to get started, would you like to share just a very brief a brief blurb about yourself and what you do? I am a high achiever myself, I think first and foremost, because I specialize in working with high achievers. I also identify with one and I have learned to, I've learned ways to care for my nervous system and evoke more harmony in my life despite my high achieving energy. So that's what I help others do, specifically high achievers. My college education is in neuroscience. I also minored in dance. So I've always been interested in the body and in the nervous system, and I enjoy offering education to my clients, both education and embodiment practices. I've been um, a yoga instructor for 10 years now, and I also have a meditation album out. So I I interweave all of these different aspects of my background of working with the nervous system um, through intellect, as well as embodying through movement, through yoga, through meditation. And I essentially help my clients to find more presence in their lives and in their work so that they're not always so forward thinking, but they have more of this satisfaction in the moment to moment unraveling of their career. Otherwise, you know, we arrive to our goal 10 years from now, not remembering the past 10 years, kind of in a state of tense, jaw clench, short breathness. And we're like, what happened to the past 10 years? So I really help people who don't need any pushing and I help them to slow down and be present with their with their lives and their work. Yes. Yes. And what you said about people arriving 10 years and then being like, what happened? Like I am starting to a lot of my um, people that I'm that are around me that we're starting to get to that point it's like it's about 10 years since you know we, we left college right and it's like that point where people are like what have I been doing <laughs> with my life and I'm just noticing it everywhere um, and I think 2021 was also a, a year where a lot of that uh, started kind of like the, that kind of thought was like permeating the collective and mm-hmm. so I think like now more than ever people really need this work and it's so funny we call it work because I I think a lot of what you do is helping people like have a better relationship with their work, right? And more, you call it delicious. <laughs> like, delicious, delicious, I do. Relationship with their work. And it's almost like not adding work, but making your existing work feel more nourishing 
That's right. And that takes a perspective shift and working with the nervous system because often if we're so forward focused and in a state of chronic stress in the body, then we can be sitting and you know, going through our emails in a state of panic and bracing and shortness of breath, or we can learn what's going on in our system and have tools to sit and do that exact same thing in a state of deliciousness. And, you know, with deliciousness comes nervous system care, but there's also little things you can do in your environment, like make your desk more yummy. So lighting a candle, putting on your oil diffuser, having your lighting on the right way, having your favorite drink out in front of you, and you're still sitting and doing the same emails. You know, it's like how we approach what we're doing. Yes, absolutely. So I have like, I have my candle here and then I got my thermos of hot tea here. Um, <laughs> all of That's these. Right. Yes. Um, so I love that. And um, I, I definitely want to dive more into ways that we can um, make our work more delicious. Oh, oh no, my cat. <laughs> Cute. She also makes work real del- um, more delicious. Yes. Um, but I'm just so fascinated by your history, Amanda. So you mentioned that like, let's, I really want people to kind of get to know your story and how you get to where you are today. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people can take a look and be like, oh, my God, Amanda, she's got all this stuff and it's so put together and juicy and and great. And like she probably just, you know, I maybe I should do that. Or it's like, like, how did she wake up one day and knew she was going to do that? And so I'm very um, I want you to kind of share your story, because when we first talked, that blew my mind that you did not like you actually had there was a lot of moments. There there was a lot of like. <laughs> like you had to try quite a few things before you kind of stumbled on this thing that you're this um, like here it's almost so hard to describe it's like this curation that you do for yeah. people to help them yeah. develop a better relationship with rest with stress with work and all of that and you also mix like the science component with the embodiment component yeah. and the practices um so let's start like you mentioned that you went to college for um neuroscience and dance like what drove you to do those because they seem so different on the surface. So I decided to go pre-med right away as freshman in college. And I think I was just wanting a good career that, you know, could pay the bills. And I was kind of in cultural conditioning. And then throughout college, I switched my major. I knew I was interested in the body, but I started veering towards the brain. And I don't remember why. And at the same time, loved to dance. So I picked up my minor in dance just for the love of it, without that like strategy. And people would always chuckle like, oh, you're neuroscience and dance. Like, how does that play hand in hand? And I would always say, well, the brain moves the body. And it was so beautiful because I would spend, you know, my afternoon in the lab learning something very intellectually. And then that evening I would go into the dance studio. I was dancing almost every day and implement what I was learning in my body and experience it for myself. So even when I look back into my college years, I had no idea how my career would unfold, but that's quite literally the area of expertise I'm in right now with science and magic and bringing this mind-based information into the experience of application into our lives and our body. And I was doing that in college. After college, I was looking at careers in neuroscience and, you know, to continue in any science field, it takes a lot of time in the lab, mostly in doing scientific studies. And I have a deep 
respect for scientific studies and the scientific method, I am not the person to conduct them. They just, uh, my energy is best spent elsewhere, I think in, um, in teaching and sharing the information. So I just couldn't envision myself, you know, I was looking into grad school and I couldn't envision myself. I was getting tired of working with rats in the lab under fluorescent lights. Like it's just not how my personality is best served. So I just ditched it completely. And I decided to, at the same time I was getting involved in the art scene in uh, the Twin Cities, and I was throwing different performing art shows at venues all over the city. So this was in my young 20s. And I eventually, long story short, started a nonprofit called Face Forward. We had 150 artists on the roster of all different disciplines, and we would you know, cross-collaborate between disciplines and address different social issues through shows and throwing shows. And it was this really big organization. We were at festivals, again, like a lot of different venues, and I had a ton of fun doing it. We did it for four years. And after those four, four years, I hit a state of massive burnout. So I wasn't taking care of my body, and I just got really exhausted And I was like this, I decided to take a step at that time to prioritize my health and let it go. And it was one of the hardest things. I remember I just bawled. It felt like a breakup. Like this, my baby that I had poured all this love into this community, I had to, yeah, I had to let it go. I had to surrender. And then I spent some time just caring for myself. I remember I, I got a job as a server you know, for the simplicity's sake of like, I could clock in, clock out, and I always have something in the back of my mind to do like you are when you're an entrepreneur. And in my spare time, I bought all these cookbooks. I grew up with a single mother and I grew up on like mac and cheese, hamburger helper, frozen pizza. So I didn't really know a lot about nourishment. And I learned how to cook during that time. I dove into my yoga practice. I slept, I rested, I learned how to take care of myself. I traveled a lot. So I would make a bunch of money serving and then I would travel different places and really fed my spirit and fed my body. And then eventually I got kind of like restless wanting to do something else. And I decided it would be a really great um, idea to go to a school for body work, for hands-on work with the body. And so there's a modality called rolfing. And rolfing is hands-on work with the connective tissue. And I had actually gone through, they have a recipe called the 10 series. So you go through 10 different sessions to address different patterns in the body with fascia. And my dad ended up passing away when I was 26. So I wanted to move the grief through my body and make sure there wasn't any stuck energy. So I went to a rolfer who then kind of put the the bug in my ear like you would be real you might be really good at this like you should think about going to school so i decided like yeah i'm going to go to school for rolfing and ended up learning a ton about working with the nervous system with my hands so i still i still offer hands on bodywork sessions i never it's not on my website it's kind of just through word of mouth but i do a few sessions a week of that and it keeps me really grounded in what it's like to be in silence with the nervous system and to be paying attention to it and caring for it. Um, and I did that and realized, you know, I didn't want to do that full time. After I graduated from school, I just got restless again. I'm like, this is not for me to do full time. I was getting kind of, um, yeah, just was the same feeling as being presented with the idea of working in a lab. Like this isn't just, it's not for me. It's not the best use of my skill set. So I don't know after... 
I started to get this idea that there's so much change that we can inhabit through our on our own without the without having someone else or you know guide us. I was seeing in my clients that a lot of the change that they were seeing in their bodies was yes a result of my work with them with my hands, but it was also their belief in the work and their belief in me as a practitioner that really created the magic that I was seeing. And I was like, well, what is, what's with all this, these beliefs or like, I was starting to notice this. And then I started to come back to my love of neuroscience and learn about, you know, revisit neuroplasticity and the biology of beliefs and the power of perspective. And then I started really stepping into what's it like to be a coach and what are these programs that I'm creating? And I started getting interested in um, earth cycles and moon cycles and seasonal living and things like that. And from there, had the idea to birth my membership program, which is called Science and Magic, which syncs the nervous system to earth cycles. So my path has not been linear. And in fact, my career has really seen an exponential growth in the past two years. And I am... I am in a really great place and yet still, I think in many ways at the start of my career. And this version of me feels like it's going to stick for the rest of my life. Like I had to try on a lot of different hats, but I feel like I'm at this perfect mix of all these different skill sets that I have. Could you imagine like, like five or 10 years ago that this is what you'd be doing? I would have never, I, yeah, I would have never thought that this would be what I'm do- what I'm doing at all. Like I couldn't even have conceptualized it. Yeah, because it's like we're so used to, uh, as you said, when you first started um, college, you were just kind of following the default path, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, get some, get a get a science degree, and then do yeah. what comes next. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I know when I was in college, I wouldn't imagine that such a profession existed. <laughs> what you're doing. Um, and what was interesting is that. Like when you started, you never, you always did. I noticed like your, your your love of dance, I feel like it inspired like your interest in neuroscience because you yeah. saw that connection between the, between the two and you never did drop that. And I think mm-hmm. that that's so, I, f- I find that to be very um important. I think that you didn't drop that. I know so many people that um, they just pursued kind of what they thought they, they should, like the default path should mm-hmm. be. Um, and then kind of dropped everything that mm-hmm. they, um, know that sparked joy, um, as uh, that, you know, that, uh, in, in addition or instead, um, and the fact that you always had dance there, I think you never really dropped your connection to mm-hmm. the body, whatever practice mm-hmm. you happen to be doing at the time. No. It's kinda, yeah. Yeah. Did you find that that was helpful for you to like have that as a grounding? Well, my expertise lies in, I mean, there are plenty of people who give information about stress and, you know, changing perspective and all this stuff, but really my expertise lies in implementing it into the whole body. And I have been practicing that my entire life through dance and through my yoga practice. And so because I never stopped connecting into my body throughout all of these transformations, I feel like I can speak and share my story from a really embodied place because it wasn't something that I absorbed from a book. It's been something that I've lived. And granted, of course, not everyone's experience is going to be like mine, but I can share what my process has been through my body 
in a really grounded way in hopes of inspiring others to connect into their systems and their body. And that's been through dance. And I'm still dancing to this day. I just went to a dance class last night. You know, like I, I still dance because that is my way to source information. And that's what I share with my clients to do. So how could I be sharing it with my clients if I'm not doing it myself? Yeah, I love that. I mean, there's I've always heard the phrase wisdom in the body and I never kind of I never fully understood it until until recently when I realized that there was a disconnect between what happened from the neck up within me and what what was going on from the neck down and I was like, "Oh my god, there's a disconnect happening here." There's like yeah. um like I it, this is something I shared with you when, you know, when we um early on when we met and which is how like I've done a lot of inner work like the brain stuff and but there's like a parts of me, like I got stuck at a certain point where I couldn't go deeper. I couldn't access, yeah. I couldn't access certain information that I felt like I had, but it was like my brain locked it away. And mm-hmm. I come to believe now that my it, it's because the information was held in my body. <laughs> That's why I couldn't get it <laughs> from mm-hmm. just digging through my brain alone. Have you experienced yeah. that or experienced, you know, clients do it, having that? I think we're in a head-centered society. I mean, even when I say I study neuroscience, what probably pops into people's minds is the brain. But really the nervous system through the spinal cord and the spinal cord, all these neural pathways weave out innervating muscles and bones and skin and organs. So when I think nervous system, I think body. I don't think just the brain. And when we only have access to the, the neural pathways in the brain, then we miss the incredible connectivity of the whole body. And I find that my life gets better when, for example, I connect into the nerve cells in the heart and even the nerve cells in the gut. There's millions of neurons in the gut alone. And that's what we would call instinct. And there's incredible intelligence there. And in the heart, there's you know 40,000 neurons And that is a very potent place that can sense information and lead us. So when I connect into my heart, I find that I make decisions in a different way than I would with my head and my brain. And I think it's our belief and our reverence of just the brain that might lock us up from, like a lot of people don't even know that they have access to intelligence in the body because we're not taught that. Right. And not to mention there's, you know, various there's traumas that can be stored in the body, so it can be a um advantage or how would I say it, a protection mechanism for us to kind of lock away from the body. So for some folks it might not be feel safe to go into the body. And in that case, you know, I would suggest working with a therapist or a somatic experience practitioner. But I do think, you know, it's important to mention that like if it feels unsafe or unsettling in a way that's beyond your capacity to be in your body, then seek out support. And if it feels, if you feel curious to go into the body, just drop the attention down there and see what's there for you and try to think beyond logic and reason, you know, see what comes up sensation wise or if little images or pictures or memories or colors and just be open to the language of the body. Yes. I love that. So you've mentioned like, to do that, um, drop in to the body mm-hmm. and then and then see what comes up. Is that kind of the gist of how that works? 
And I ask this as like a, from a very basic perspective, because mm-hmm. even just a few months ago, even just a few weeks ago, I would say I had no idea I, I, I what um, like listening to your body really meant. Yeah. Yeah. There's practices that can be done to foster relationships. So like you would foster a relationship with a friend by spending quality time with them, by talking on the phone, by having experiences with them, setting up time to be with the body is a way to start building a relationship and understanding the language. You could in this moment just kind of close your eyes and drop your attention into your heart, but without having spent the time understanding that language, spending time with it, then it might feel like, well, what am I listening for? I don't hear anything. Like, what do you mean? You know, so this is where having a program or um, having a practice, and this looks different for every single person. So some people really resonate with yoga. Others don't. Others prefer to maybe do dancing or to run or to exercise, but it's spending time not doing something because you should be doing it like doing an exercise because you should be doing it or doing yoga because you should be doing it. But being like, I want to spend time with my body and bring my consciousness, my presence into it as I'm doing it. And then you start to build a sensitivity to your system. And that's when the listening can happen. That's when you can say, you're trying to make a big decision. You can drop your attention into your heart and be like, okay, heart, you know, we know each other. what would you have me do? What would you have me say right now? In what way would you have me go and opening yourself up to that? But I think, I think considering what it's like to build a relationship with my body is a, is a good way to start. Uh, I love that. And I love what you said um, about treating it like you would treat a friend, like you would get to know a friend um, rather than get something done. (laughs) Like, like, I think we talked about rather than treating our bodies like tools that, you know, are meant mm-hmm. to be effective so that it can achieve something yeah. like what, try getting to know it and then spend time with it. Yes. And, um, and then I think you mentioned, then you build sensitivity to your system and that's when the mm-hmm. listening can happen. And I know from, I, I, I don't know what um, other people's experience have been, but from just like the few weeks that I've worked with you, um, like I, I had to schedule time <laughs> to do, to do the body work. Otherwise, I won't do it or, or otherwise I or I might do it, but my attention would be actually split on something else. I'm like, no, this is this is me and my body time. And I, in fact, did think about it like I was having a like a lunch date with a friend. So I'm like, I have to think about it that way. But that perspective shift actually changed. Like I didn't need it, it was like I didn't like I spent so much time trying to figure figure out what does it mean to listen to my body? But as soon as I changed my perspective of thinking of my body as a, as a person I want to get to know, it, it kind of revealed itself to me what that meant. I think when, and when you said build sensitivity, like when I make a decision for my brain, it feels differently than when I make a decision for my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's a, and it's something that it's so funny because I can't explain it to other people, just like I was so frustrated when other people couldn't explain it to me. But like, I can't explain it, but it's just the body sensations feel differently. If you say, if you like put your hand on your heart or if I put my hand on her hair and like, okay, what do you want? Yeah. You know, what does my heart want? And then, and then the yes, it, you know, it could even, it, you know, the yes or no decision or whatever. It's just like, there's just a different sensation and it feels like it's coming from the heart. Do you get that? Yeah. You know, making decisions with the brain can be similar to like having a brainstorming session 
where you make a Venn diagram, you write the pros and cons, you do the overlaps. Mm -hmm. Do you get that feeling is a very intellectual, fact-based, logical sort of processing? And then there's the intuition and the instinct where it's like you just know. And that comes from the body, from the gut, from the heart. It's an inner knowing. And I think most humans can probably point to a time or remember or, or have a familiarity with that feeling. Like my intuition just led me to this moment or there's something beyond conscious reasoning in this decision that's guiding me to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would say the language of the heart is. It is hard to put into words. It's It could be, it's just an inner knowing. Some people do see visuals, so they might see like mm, a symbol or an, or an archetype. I think mm-hmm. you described it as a gust of wind through your back leading you towards something, which yes. I thought was such a lovely explanation. Yes, yes. My my, I don't get visuals or hear anything. It's always just a feeling, and uh, yeah, some kind of a some kind of a feeling in the in the in the body for me. Yeah. yeah, and it's instant. It's often instant. Whereas, you know, you could spend four hours in a mastermind drawing the pros and cons of something, a decision or strategy, and that's not bad. There's definitely value to be gained from that. Or you can create an environment where the body has a space to express itself and in an instant, trusting the intuition, just get a knowing right. that can collapse time and change the course of your life. And that's the sort of work that I do with my clients of offering access to that inner wisdom. I don't know what's best for anybody. My intention is to create, help my clients curate, I love that you said that, and create an environment and build a relationship with their friend, the body so that they have access to that sort of wisdom. Yes. And I find that to be super important um, for people to have access to that because it's it helps you understand what you actually desire and what you really want. I, I think we talked about, you talked about the brain decision-making and the intuition decision-making and the brain decision-making, like you said, we need that. And that's very useful for many, many things. But it's not always very good at um, at least from my experience and talking to some of my friends from like helping you know what you really want, <laughs> like what you really desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our feelings and intuition are like much more truthful <laughs> when it comes to that. Um, and Amanda, in your own, in your own story, like you, you mentioned, like, there were several points where you were like, okay, I'm interested in this, like you were working in the labs, like I'm interested in neuroscience, but this isn't what I actually want to do. Um, or when you were doing the rolfing work um, and you were helping people and it seemed like you were interested in that and and did enjoy it, but then you were, but then there was like a part of you that's like, but this isn't really what I want to do either. Um, I know a lot of people would have just kept going down that path because mm-hmm. that's like, it. that's, you know, that's, the expectation or this is what I should be doing, like, I've, or I've already committed, I, I should, you know, keep going um, and not, or else I'll, I'll, I'll be giving up or something like that. But in those moments, you decided to listen to your heart. Is that, would you agree? I would agree with that. I did. I chose to listen to my heart and I chose to prioritize my happiness over what I should be doing, if that makes sense. 
And I don't know why. Like, look, you're right. I've never reflected on that. Like, I did actively choose in these moments this that this path isn't for me and it didn't really have another path to go to, but I would just clear some space and see what arose from within it. And I think I have, I mean, I have an adventurous mother. So I was, that's, that's a benefit that I got from being raised by her is that I have a thirst for life. And if something isn't bringing me life, then I clear space for more life to enter. Yes. Oh, I love that. It's mm-hmm. I thirst for life. And if something isn't bringing me life, I create space for more life to enter. I absolutely mm-hmm. love that mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the other thing that I had noticed that's very atypical, I think, from a lot of um, a lot of people, other people that I've talked to is that when you took the time, when you decide, like even um, like when you decided um, this isn't for me, um, did you actually, I, I, I should ask you this, did you ever like beat yourself up like, like, um, in the form of like, oh, I spent so much time working on this and now I'm kind of like um, throwing it all away almost, right? It, it, these are words I've heard other people use. Um, did you ever do that or? The biggest feeling for me was with Face Forward, that arts nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. I did feel like I let that community down. Like I felt a responsibility towards everyone who'd been involved. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, the community was still there, right? The artists were all connected. I just wasn't leading it up anymore. And that was the time where it was very, very hard to let that go. But as far as grad school or um, shifting out of rolfing, like within me, I just felt a great sense of relief. And I'll say I felt relief letting the nonprofit dissolve and letting that go. Like I felt this great exhale. It was like when I made the decision, there was deep sadness and, you know, a little bit of guilt. Um, And yeah, a little bit of feeling like, well, were the past four years just thrown away? I built this thing and I had all these, all this infrastructure for it. And it felt like, yeah, a little bit like I'm throwing this away, but I also, I just knew I couldn't continue. So. So, yeah. And, and what, and when you left, I think another thing that people do often is that they kind of are like panicking about the time I have left and then like start like trying to figure out what is my purpose and you know, what, what is, what is the thing I really should be doing? And then like, um, kind of do a lot of, um, like searching of that. Um, but from your story, it sounded like you just kept going for like, kept experimenting and trying out things that brought you life. That's right. The whole time too, I was dancing. So even when I was serving, I had a dance collective, energy dance collective, and was, you know, creating choreography and performing. And so I always, and I found a lot of joy during that time in my life in the simple moments. Like I used, I would wake up at 5 a.m. and just read, read my cookbooks I know really? it sounds really funny, but like, you know how there are the, you know, especially ones that are more nutrition based and I'm very plant based. So I would yeah. learn what vegetables give what nutrients and like fermentation. And I would just, but it was so peaceful. I would light a candle. I'd have morning coffee. The world hadn't woken up yet. And I would just like read. And so that gave me life at that moment. It wasn't always something that was external, but 
it was slowing down and simplifying everything for those two years that I took a break from quote unquote, my, you know, my career, my purpose. And I never panicked about it. I always knew something would come up. I think I was just so grateful to have space to heal and space to take care of myself at the time. Um, and excited to see what sprouted from that. I, I really had trust. You really had, I think that that's what I am taking away from all of this is that you had a lot of trust and faith in mm-hmm. yourself and in life that whatever, whatever's going to happen is, is going to happen and, and work out in the end. But it's so cool that in that time, and by the way, the way you speak, like, like, I feel like I'm cozying up with a cookbook <laughs> as well. Like, I'm like, oh, I, I visualize it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I love your warming energy. It's, it's mm-hmm. um, but that you were enjoying the moments in your life as well. So like, so like, oh, my God, people pay like, like, so much for therapy and coaching and and drugs to help them get that one moment of like in the moment kind of relief from having to chase after something and it's always right there in front of you (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, Yeah. i I really hope our listeners um like get a takeaway from the example that you just gave like just like Mm -hmm. being with your cookbook even right like that was a delicious moment Oh my gosh. It was, yeah. Sorry. I I was going to say, I love that you never dropped dancing too. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and what was interesting is that all of that brought you back to neuro, like all these things that you, you had kind of dropped and let go. It's like, they, they, they were always there with you and now they're, they're still with you. Right. It kept being brought back to you. Like, (laughs) like when you were, doing uh rolfing with others right your your rolfer was telling you like hey this is something that you should do and then at that moment it's like oh there's a connection to neuroscience here and working with the body which is what i've you know been wanting to do and it's not lab work like <laughs> and then like after that right like as you discover more about earth circles and all of that and um when you found your clients um and you realize that oh it's a belief system that's really like a game changer for them mm-hmm. all of that connected back to neuroscience and and body work and everything just aligned i find that to be super fascinating that it just you just kept living life and then everything aligned for you yes it did it it would swirl back to me and that's the thing if we follow what brings us life if we follow those breadcrumbs and notice what we're you know genuinely interested in things will unfold in a magical way. And even now I'm starting craniosacral school in um, in May and that's a two-year program. So I'm continuing my education about, you know, embodying. And it's not because I necessarily want to, of course I'll offer a little bit of sessions, but I'm not going necessarily to do that work. Well, for sure not full-time, but it's more like, I want to embody my system in a deeper way so that when I share information, when I'm a guest on podcasts, when I'm sharing my YouTube channel, when I'm sharing information on my own podcast or sitting down with clients, I have more of an understanding of my body and I'm following you know, the logical reason to go to school would be like, oh, I want to give craniosacral sessions. That would be like, that's how our society thinks. Like, yes. oh, I want to get my return on investment. I'm going to pay for school and then do the thing that school prescribes. I know that's not true for me. 
I know there's, I know it's different. So I don't know what's going to unfold from that experience, but I'm trusting. I was in a, a yoga class and I, I've been having this idea in my mind to go to school. And then all of a sudden in that class, it was like, I just heard this voice of it's time. And I felt a full body response and I started tearing up and I'm like, that's my next, that's, it's time. I'm going to sign up for, for class. And I signed up, you know, several months ago and unsure of how it was going to work with my budget. And cause I'm flying back and forth every other month for two years. Well, now my budget's allowing it. So I took the step, I signed up, I applied, I got accepted. And now it starts in a couple of months and I'm ready. So it's just, I just followed it in faith and knowing what I know from what I've lived in my life so far, that that's how things unfold for me. Right, right. That again, I think this is like, things are just aligning, right? <laughs> and it's they like, are. Oh, it's, it's all aligned and now's the time. It's interesting you, and Amanda, you mentioned that you have been thinking about doing the cranial sacral sessions for a while now, right? But then uh-huh. it was kind of like in that yoga session, when your body kind of gave the signal that now it's the time to do it. Yep. And I That's felt so it. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I felt it. It was like a full body knowing and it came out of nowhere. It what just feel yeah. like for you. It's like when you get into, for me, when I get into a state of flow mm-hmm. and I am focused on my breath and I feel like I know science wise, that means your brainwave frequency is lowered. So you're not in a state of stress. And I'm open. So my whole body feels open. And then an idea will just land. I I mean, it'll just land in my mind. That's how I came up with the words science and magic. Like everyone's like, how did you come up with that? I'm like, well, they just popped into my mind when I was in a state of flow. And I think that's when the best ideas and insight comes. But we often don't prioritize creating that state of being in our bodies. Yeah. So for me, it's like, it's just an idea that drops into my awareness and my body is generally soft and I'm not, I'm not actively strategizing or thinking about anything. Sometimes it happens in the shower, like, you know, hot water, you're just kind of in flow. You kind of know, okay, shampoo, conditioner, soap, you're not really thinking or strategizing. You're in a floaty state. Sometimes it could happen on a road trip. If there's like a wide open road with like mountains in the background and you're listening to your favorite podcast or your favorite music, you have all the time in the world. It's like ideas, the best ideas come to us and through us. We don't seek them out. And so I think it's important to seek out the spaces that that are fertile for that sort of um, receptivity. Oh, I love how you speak in poetry, Amanda. Like so you I'm give like the best analogies. <laughs> um, I love that the best ideas come to us. We don't seek them out. Mm-hmm. Um, we create the space, the space that are fertile, right? Yeah, the ideas to pop up. I love that, and I love when you, the way you described it, you mentioned something about your whole your whole body opening, and then it just kind yeah. of fell in. Yes, like on its own. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've also, it's very interesting because I've, um, um, I don't know what the neuroscience is behind this one, but it's, uh, but it's very similar to what you said, which is that like a lot of times when we think about a problem, um, we can think and think and think about it. And that kind of like, but then like once we uh, kind of detach ourselves a little bit from the problem, 
that's when kind of like something happens in the background that sparks the idea that solves whatever it is the problem that we're that we're trying to solve i i know it happens to a lot of people right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah well if you think about it if there's a problem that you're trying to solve your brain is wired to have that problem mm-hmm. and so when you're thinking about the problem you're activating the neural pathways associated with that problem like every time we have a thought um neural pathways are recruited and electricity is sent through them to that are equal to that thought so then if we're trying to solve the problem from the same level of mind that the problem was created, it just it's really difficult because the brain's flowing electricity to half the problem. So it feels like there's a lot of friction there. But when this is surrender, when we say, I actually don't know, and we release the problem from the brain, so electricity is not flowing through the brain in relationship to the problem. Then something magical and mysterious happens where it's like that the solution can just come come to you. When the brain is just wide open, it's like you're not firing to have the problem. Then then a solution that's a different level of mind can come can enter in. And that's that would be the magic. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 mean, I like sure. the the solution is at a different level of the mind. Yeah. A different patterning, a different firing of neural connections and neural pathways. Yes, I love that, and yeah, I find myself experiencing that too. And it does, and it does feel really cool. But then, and then what happens is I, I like it so much. I'm like, okay, let's do another one. And and um, <laughs> but then I'm trying to solve a problem at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm trying to like learn to let go, <laughs> like yes, or, not let go, but um not turn letting go into yet another goal because I think like that's so easy for achievers <laughs> to, yes. to fall into the trap of. Yeah. 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 And so, speaking of, um, you know, falling into the trap of like constantly turning things into goals and achieving and all of that. One of the things you had mentioned is like um, how important rest is. And I, I remember earlier when we had talked before, you mentioned that rest is actually productive. Um, cause a lot of high achievers think that rest is something they have to, um, like they, they have to make room for, but in the sense of like, you know, like, oh, well, I guess I have to rest now because I must, you know, it, it's almost like, it's almost like, it's almost like, um, like a liability. Mm-hmm. I'm going to explain this from maybe a neuroscience way and then an energy way. So we need recovery. And so think of an athlete, like the top athletes, the most, like the highest level athletes, they know how important recovery is and they build that into their exercise protocol. So our nervous systems need that. And if you want to perform at a really, really high level, that means that your nervous system will be emitting a lot of energy, adrenaline, endorphins, cortisol, And that's great. And that's awesome to experience that. But over time, it drains the energy reserves in the system so that you're not as present, you're not as energized, you're not as focused, you're not as clear. So when you rest, you're filling up your energy reserves to be able to approach your beloved work with greater clarity and actually be more productive. 
the body has um, self-balancing mechanisms. So on its own, it can find, you know, homeostasis is, is what it's referred to in neuroscience. On its own, it will, you know, digest food. We don't think about digesting food. On its own, our internal body temperature is regulated. On its own, you know, for, for most blood sugar is regulated. And when we set aside time to rest, then the body's mechanisms can kick on to help us recover and rejuvenate, replenish our energy store so that when we come back to our work, we're, we're more filled up. And the second way, energy-wise, sometimes entrepreneurs or career people or high achievers kind of act like a smothering parent to their work. And if you think of this like the image of a flower is coming to my mind. Like if you plant a seed, the flower is going to grow with water, with sunlight, and with nutrients. And if it's put in the right soil. But sometimes I feel like the way that high achievers approach work is they like dig their fingers into the soil and try to pull the stem up, which is which will eventually like make the flower not grow. And so if we approach our work like it's its own living entity, it's its own life form, it's got its own consciousness and that it, we can release the grip a little bit, but we tend to it through watering, through making sure it's in the right environment, that it has sunlight, that it's planted in the right soil, then we're not going to smother our creation and we're not going to burn ourselves out. Right. Again, I, I love that the um, treating what well, you said, treating your work like a like a conscious entity. Um, mm -hmm. It reminds me of when we were talking about treating your body like that friend that you're getting to yeah. know. It's not a tool, like ju just a dead tool for you to use. Mm -hmm. It creates a feeling of service too. Like for me, I my everyday prayer is like, can my body be a vessel for? harmony to flow through? And can I be in service to this world in some way? And I see my work as something that I'm tending to. It's not something that's mine. It's something I'm in great reverence to. And I and it helps shift. It's like rather than it be a part of my identity, it's like I am in service in this way. And it makes me, does it make me, it allows me to show up in, in a different way than if I were to try to control or force something to happen. It's like, can I allow it to happen? And can I nourish it oh, I love and that. give it can what I, it needs to grow? Give it what it needs to grow. I love that. Can I allow it to happen? Yeah. Than, it's so interesting because when you say that it that way, I get the sense that like things want to happen for you if you just allow it. They it's do. actually super interesting. And I, maybe this happens in your, when you work with people on their beliefs too, but Something I've noticed a lot is that um, I will work really hard to get something or change somebody's mind or something, but then when I shift my beliefs, they they things work out for me. A lot of times this happens, and you know sometimes I I'm like, am I just not seeing reality? Like, has it always been like this? And I just suddenly shifted my beliefs and now see a different reality. And it's so weird when that happens, but it's also really cool. And it's like. The allowing of something to happen rather than forcing something to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about beliefs as like all of our brains are wired in different ways and we have trillions of neural connections. I mean, if you think about that, we have a galaxy in our brain. And so we could look at the same tree 
and have completely different experiences based off of the wiring of our brain. And the way that that looks in the brain is the patterns that electricity flows through in relationship to what we're seeing and processing. So our beliefs have a wild effect on how we're seeing the world and yes, how we're experiencing reality. So when we shift the flow of energy and electricity in our brain, when we shift our beliefs, then we are going to see the world in a different way. And this is wonderful because there's a lot of opportunity in this. There's a lot of, you know, empowerment. Like we can, but it, it's not, there, there are, it's not always easy just to shift your beliefs. I mean, there's a nuance to this, like getting, having guidance. There's, there's ways we can do it. It's not always easy. So this is where um, some of that, you just shift your beliefs and then people can start to feel really bad. Like, well, I'm trying. Yeah. But it is possible and it does influence the way that we not only see the world, but then behave in relationship to the world, navigate through the world and the way people respond to us and our energy. Yes. Yes. And this leads me to my next question, which is, can you talk more about the name science and magic? Because everything you've talked about, it, it, it's like there's science behind it, but it feels so magical when it comes, <laughs> when it comes out through you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned that the name came to you when you were doing a, a yoga session and like, what, how, how does the, yeah, what is the, what is the meaning of the name for you and the work you do? Well, I'm both science and magic. Like I love learning about the brain and the body. And like I said, have a deep reverence for the scientific method and for science research and facts and evidence and all that stuff. And yet... I've always been very spiritual and I believe in the unseen realm. I believe in mystery. I think it'd be silly for us to say that we know everything. We have barely scratched the surface as humans, especially. I mean, I remember that in my neuroscience classes that we are just in like the very beginnings of understanding the brain and the nervous system. And there's so much we don't know. So the magic is in the I don't know. It's allowing ourselves to say like, yeah, I don't know. And I'm not scared to say I don't know. Like sometimes I'll be working with someone and they ask me something and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like maybe like, like let me look it up or like even if there's not an answer to look it up, I still don't know. I think it's powerful to say that. And then there's this other part of me with magic too that really likes to dive into and have a reverence for the earth. I think in many ways we have lost our flow. I mean, we are earth, right? So we can't ever lose it, but we've lost a conscious connection to it and its rhythms and its seasons. And I enjoy understanding different ways to live seasonally and to, I'm intrigued with understanding the cosmos and moon cycles and how that influences our systems and our bodies. I love studying my paternal lineage is from Ireland, so I love studying, you know, pre-Celtic civilization in Ireland and the reverence that Earth-centered um, populations and civilizations had um, for the environment, and all of that's magical. I mean, it's odd. It's like it's it's incredible to ponder and you know, dive into different theories about things that aren't factually based. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I love that, Amanda. 
I, and you really spoke a lot to me as well. Um, I think one of the reasons why I was so attracted to your work was because I have a very um, like sciencey background and everything needs to be proven or whatever. And, um, and, but there was always, there's always a part of me that I now come to accept that is also spiritual. And I realized that part of me is the child, childlike wonder part of Lucy. Yes. And that's been shut away for so long. Like the part that's like, okay with the I don't know. As a matter of fact, loves the I don't know. <laughs> that's right. Loves but it. Yeah. I think without the I don't know, it's hard. You know, if, if, if I didn't accept the I don't know, I would have kept trying to like figure out problems and not realize that, oh, there's this whole body wisdom thing happening here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and all, all this stuff, like what you said about, um, yeah, the part, the, the accepting the, I don't know. And then, um, you mentioned, um, like earth cycles and, um, also diving into like the, um, uh, the, the cu cultures and traditions and stories of your, of your heritage, mm -hmm. like all of those things, I, I'm just kind of dipping my toe in, into all of that. Mm -hmm. Like what I find is that when, I don't, I don't really know much about earth cycles or moon cycles, but um, seasonal living is something that I'm kind of dipping my toes into. And actually, I, I am kind of like um, dipping my toes into the whole earth cycles thing as well, just because I'm kind of just fascinated by what, what, what is the lore behind it and all of that. And what I find is that I don't need to believe everything I'm reading in order to get something out of it. Like, it's yeah it, it's like reading poetry like it's like sometimes you yes. don't need to understand exactly what they're trying to say but you still take some take a meaning out of it and it's different for each person that's right yeah based oh off God, of how I, our brains are wired you know it's like yeah. we all have different backgrounds and experiences and ways that we've that the world has lived through us that we've related to the world yeah. so we're going to relate to different philosophies and sharings and teachings in different ways. And I just don't understand. I mean, it could be the Aquarius in me, but trying to convince anyone of anything to me is just not respectful to the unique wiring of someone's brain and of their experience. Like yeah. I love it when I love hearing different perspectives and it takes nothing away from mine. You know, we... Yeah. We don't need to convince anyone of anything and just create this wide open container of like, what's your experience? Tell me more. Like that's that awe, that's that childlike wonder. Like what's your universe? The universe yeah. inside you. What, what is the universe? Mean? I love that. What is the yeah. universe inside you? Yeah. 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 And I, yeah, the hearing different perspectives. Um, I love what you said about I love hearing different perspectives and that it doesn't take anything away from mine. It's mm -hmm. just this constant kind of getting to know, like the way we've been talking about it, it's like getting to know your body, getting to know your, you know, um, your work as like another conscious being, but then like getting to know different perspectives and it doesn't say anything about you <laughs> necessarily. Exactly. It's just us getting to know ourselves through those perspectives and then giving someone the gift of witnessing theirs, of hearing them, of opening opening up to their experience and the way that they're seeing things. And I love what you said about, I don't have to believe something to take something away from it. Like it, like that, like wrong or right, or like, yeah, yeah that 100% that binary, like that yet full buy-in or no buy-in at all. 
like letting ourselves glide on that spectrum is very much within the realm of the work I like to offer the world. I see the world in spectrums and prisms and scales. Like it is not this or that for me. I mean, it's called science and magic, but within science and magic lies a spectrum for me. And that spectrum shifts and changes uh, moment to moment for me, for my clients. And I think it creates a really powerful opportunity to have discussion. Like I find a lot of scientists are really drawn to me. And then once they start working with me, all they want to do is talk about magic. It's pretty funny because they feel like, okay, well, there's, yeah, they feel like almost like a safe space to talk about magic. And they're like, it's really interesting. Actually, you just described why I think I was so drawn to you. I feel like you were the safe space that I could talk about magic (laughs) with. Yeah. Um, And I also love, Amanda, that you're able, you have so much, you have a wide variety of language. I think this is maybe the spectrum thing you were Mm -hmm. talking about. You have such a wide uh, language around like saying, saying maybe the same concept to like Mm -hmm. different people with different perspectives. I've noticed that you were, you've been able to kind of explain different, uh, the same thing in in different ways. Thank you. Such a great superpower. (laughs) That comes with the fact that I've, like I said, in I'm in the process always, but mm-hmm. haven't done a ton of embodiment around this. I live this stuff every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I created Science and Magic, my membership platform, because I wanted to learn from all the teachers on there. So, and I am learning from the teachers on there. And I do every day with, you know, I being a high achiever, loving my work so much with valuing rest and self-care, I am always playing with the boundaries around what it's like to care for my nervous system. What's too much? Where could I step up more? And so as I live this, I can explain it in a way that's really authentic. And then I I feel tapped in a lot of times and in flow with my intuition. Mm -hmm. So I can share it in the moment in a way that's maybe relevant to the moment because I do, I feel like I have access into, into my heart in a lot of ways from the work that I do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I, and the part you said about how you created science, the science and magic portals, because you wanted to learn from all these teachers yeah. and you wanted to make, I, I think in one of the earlier conversations we had, you, you mentioned that you wanted to curate something for yourself and organize it yeah. and then open it up for everybody else. Again, it was like Amanda's following her, you know, following her light or, or making room for life to happen. Yes. And then it just turned, it happened to turn into a business. Yes. That's so and cool. I, and I launched the Science and Magic membership platform in October of 2019, mm-hmm. just months before the pandemic hit and mm-hmm. everything went virtual. Right, right. So even that, I mean, that's a wild synchronicity. I had yeah. infrastructure in place for when the outside world shut down, Mm -hmm. I could hold an influx of members because I already had that. And only because I could have never known that would happen, never in a million years. Yeah. I was following that, which I was curious about. Yes. And enjoying the process of creating it. Like I loved talking to all of the teachers. I loved the process of setting that up. I loved creating like the topics. Like I was having so much fun. And then from that fun, came this heartbeat of the work that I offer the world now. Yeah. What is your, um, what does your practice look like now, Amanda? Um, um, I think on the surface, if people look at, just look at you, um, 
like, you know, you have a YouTube, you have a podcast, you, you run the science and magic thing and you, um, you do uh, monthly yoga sessions and mm-hmm. you offer coaching and all of that. Like, it looks like you're doing a lot, like from the outside people, you know, it's, it's easy to be like, how, oh, how does she manage? Like, this sounds like a lot of work. Um, I, I'm curious, what, what is it like behind the scenes? Like, how do you manage and what does it feel like? The best thing for me has been creating container and structure in my schedule that I stick to. So I know that my Mondays and Tuesdays are more full. And then I get space on Wednesdays. I barely schedule anything on Wednesdays. So I know I have this space to just be and to be creative and to recover if I need to. And then Fridays, I don't work. Um, and Thursdays are kind of a wild card. And then weekends, I do not work. Like that to me is for fun. It's for play. It's for resting. It's for chores. Yeah. It's like, it's for me. And knowing that I have this container that I set up, then work has to flow into that container. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't schedule anything before 10 a.m., so I have, you know, in mornings, I like to wake up pretty early and I have um, a daily ritual. I love morning coffee and I do a prayer journal. So I, um, you know, pray every morning and spend time in spirit. And um, I have a nighttime ritual that I do. Mm-hmm. So that would be like doing a meditation, um, bedtime meditation in bed as I'm falling asleep, laying on mm-hmm. Um, my biomat, which is like an infrared heating pad with amethyst crystals in it. And I have, I usually do like an oil massage um, all over my body and then go into a hot shower. So I have this like rhythm in my life, this structure, um, this container that can hold the creative process. And as my business continues to grow, there's plenty of things on my list that are not getting done. Mm-hmm. And I trust that when I'm able to show up, that that my business is being watered and that it's being cared for and that it will continue to grow at a rate and pace that's good for it and that's good for me. Because if I, as the caretaker of my business, start to get burnt out, then the business won't be watered and nourished eventually. Like I'll have to shut it down like I did in my 20s. Right. And so, yeah, my day is filled with a lot of rituals and a lot of, I mean, I'm very organized too, but I, I definitely have to let, let things go all the time and just trust that I'll get to it when I get to it. So sometimes that looks like slower creation. One thing that I've done consciously is I don't, I barely post on Instagram or Facebook, maybe once a month, kind of every other month. So I've completely let social media go. I don't log in. I mean, I will log into Facebook to see, you know, like dance events and things like that. But I've, that was one thing that was really draining my time and energy. And so I stepped away from that. So I made conscious decisions because there's so many places you can put your energy in these days. It's like never ending. And (laughs) I knew that for this to be sustainable, that you know, I have a cap on the number of clients that I work with, for example. And if things, if my day gets completely, if it's too full, then you need to push it back, push it back, push it back. But my strong boundaries, I think, around my schedule really, really help my energy. Uh, yeah. Sounds like 
your schedule and then having your daily and nighttime rituals, like having that, the rhythm, I think, as you call them, yeah, helps ground, like ground you and keep you from swerving off into like workaholic mode. <laughs> exactly. And I make sure I get to, you know, that I dance often and I do my yoga practice often. So I'm always kind of getting into my body. And I also let myself be imperfect. You know, some some days I get exhausted and I don't get too down on myself. I just, I look at it logistically. I'm like, okay, I'm getting a little bit off kilter. What needs to change? And I keep a tab on it because it's really easy when you love your work and when your work's growing to get yeah. caught up in it. And and I'm just not willing to sacrifice I mean, I could, I mean, I, there's no way that I could sacrifice my well-being and be in integrity with the messaging I share in the world. Like it just wouldn't, I mean, I could, but like, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't translate in in an embodied way. So I think it would also show through like, you know, show through your, 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 your energy as well as if you don't live in alignment. For sure. For sure. Yeah. What it really and I, I like how you said like some days I, I'm glad you said like some days I get exhausted too and um, mm-hmm. I don't finish all this stuff on my list, but you don't you make what I notice is that it sounds like you make um, concessions on what you get done like for your work mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. but you don't seem to or you try not to make concessions on um, like the self care part the taking care yeah. of yourself part and. The thought that came up for me, and I think this is something I need to learn how to do more better, is that um, it sounds like, when, like I was thinking, oh, it sounds like when she takes care of herself, then when she does show up for work, she's fully present with this mm-hmm. conscious thing, right, that she's that she's interfacing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so even if all the things don't get done, it's like, at least I'm fully present. And I can trust that, you know, things will uh, you know, things will work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I feel, you know, um, a sense of responsibility in showing up in full presence with my clients, like to show up in my heart and in a clear energy as much as possible, you know, like I'm a human and I'm imperfect. And I think it's important to like let ourselves show up in quote unquote imperfection, which is not even a real thing because we're all perfectly imperfect. But to show up, you know, a little drained sometimes too, I think that's okay. It's okay to just like have some space around that. And I think one thing I forgot to mention is in this prayer ritual that I have, one thing I do is I pray to, you know, a greater power of harmony to infuse every aspect of my business. That is a really big ritual that I do. And I actually, in that way, pray for um, my clients as well, that harmony infuse their lives and their work and that they be open to transformation. I do the same for my membership program, for my YouTube channel, for my podcast. And I really spend this time in the morning just lifting up this work that's flowing through me to something that's greater and ask, how can I be of service in the best way? And that puts me in a mindset that allows me to flow and not grasp and try to control my to-do list and control my schedule throughout the day and worry if things don't get done because I because I really trust that something greater is reaching and, t- and caretaking for them alongside me. I I love that. I, I, I love that. Um, 
like I get such a sense of peace when you say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. And I do it. It feels so good. It's one of my most powerful practices, I would say. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think mine, um, one of the prayers that I like to do is um, um, is one about like, I'm, I'm deeply loved and taken care of and provided mm-hmm. for. And so beautiful. And, every, and, and we're all like, it, it's such a hard one to get my brain around. Um, but mm-hmm. now it's a, like, I'm getting more and more comfortable with it. And I find that mm-hmm. whenever I recite this, feels like my whole body is opening up oh, and beautiful. you know there's always that logical the uh, uh, the, the sciencey part of me that's like but lucy how do you really know like you know it's always there but yeah. and i think this is like going back to the whole like science and magic part right it's like i i this is the way i had explained i i had explained it to somebody which is like there's objective reality like things that can be scientifically measured and all of that right you know, it's like, okay, don't touch objective reality. I, I, I you know, I, I, I respect everything of objective reality. And I think we should accept objective reality. Yeah. But then there's subjective reality. And that's where yeah. I think logical thinking comes in. And it's, yeah, there's so much more of this reality, like in, in terms of like, just sheer volume, I feel. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but in the subjective reality space, if I'm going to choose a reality, I might as well choose the one that best serves me. And person and helps me be happy. Yes. And I think that there can be both at the same time too. That's the thing is like, can we, that's the science of the magic. Like, can we hold both? Can we see this possibility and this possibility and then know that they're both true? And if, you know, if something's working, that doesn't make any logical sense. Well, it's, well, it's working. working, So that's like, so that's the, that's the evidence right there is if it's working in your life, it's working. You know, yes. yes. So, um, I just wanted to end with one last question, uh, a get to know you kind of question. Um, mm-hmm. So, if you could travel back in time to any previous period of your life and give yourself a piece of mm-hmm. advice, uh, when would that be, and what would you say to her? This is a hard question for me because I think everything that's happened to me up until now has led me to where I'm at including like embodiment. So I was able to figure things out along the way. And I don't know that I would want to have advice to change anything because I think my experiences, although they haven't all been easy, they've led me to where I am right now. And I love, I love where I am right now. And yeah, I don't, I don't think I would give myself advice. I would just maybe send myself some heart energy, some warm energy from the unseen realm some nourishment and oh. some feelings of love and just send her on her way, figuring out her, her advice as it, as it arises. Oh my God. I love that. Just like, just send love. <laughs> like you're doing mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> exactly. It gets to yes. work out. I, I love that. And I know that, um, that you shared on your, on your channel recently that you yourself have went through a difficult situation. And mm-hmm. what was so inspiring to me was that you, um, you kept practicing like, you know, what you preached, like you didn't try to plush, mm-hmm. you were, you stayed there with yourself, you let yourself mm-hmm. cry when you needed to. Mm-hmm. And you have to continue to have this belief that it, it, it's gonna, it's, it's working out. It's still, mm-hmm. it's still working out for me, even when I'm in this situation. And I'm not surprised at all that that was your answer actually to, to that question. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think I just let like, 
every single experience that I have in my life, I consider to be sacred and I approach it as sacred. Even the things that aren't fun, that are really challenging, it it's a part of, for me, being human and being here and getting to experience the full spectrum of emotions. Oh, I love that. Love that. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. Um, how can our viewers find best find you? My website will have um, links to everything, to my podcast. I have um, a text list. So I send out kind words and sweet quotes through a text list, like once a week or once every other week. So that will be on my website at the very bottom. If you have Insight Timer, I have meditations uploaded on the meditation app Insight Timer. And I think those would be the best ways to connect with me is through my podcast or through my text list or through Insight Timer. Awesome. Oh, my YouTube channel. My oh, YouTube channel, too. That's right. You're into YouTube. Yeah. Yes. So that's, that'll be Science and Magic on podcast and YouTube channel and yeah. uh, AmandaLebeck.com yeah. and Amanda Lebeck on Insight Timer. And I will include all the links in the show notes below. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Lucy. You're such an amazing host. Thank you so much. You're very, <laughs> you're very, very welcome. Have a great rest of the day, Amanda. You too. Thank Bye. you for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please leave a review, subscribe, or become a supporter in the show notes below. And if you'd like to learn more about self-discovery and how to live in alignment on your terms, go to lucyleong.com or check the show notes below for more goodies. Thank you, and I appreciate you.